0: Welcome, friends, to Generations. This is Kevin Swanson, Adam McManus, our host on theworldview.com, with me on this edition. And Adam, we're looking at 2024, big election year. And again, the scene will be set, the direction will be set for the future of the world. The future of America very much determines the future of the world. And of course, what determines the future of America? The law is cast into the lap, the vote is cast, but the whole disposing thereof is still of the Lord. Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, still sovereign over all the nations, and he is over all things to the church, which means everything will be to the benefit of the church, even if there's some sort of persecution that descends upon Christians in this country or China or anywhere else around the world. Jesus still reigns. He is over all, so we're not going to be too concerned about that. Yet we have responsibilities as Christians at the ballot box, so let's be careful We do have responsibility to go for the right guy, Uh, but exciting times really for the future of the world. This election, I I really think Brazil, the United States, Argentina, probably the key nations in the balance at this point. They're some of the largest nations in the world, and the direction that America takes, Argentina takes, Brazil takes, will determine the direction of the whole world for the next 20, 30, 40 years. So I'm watching. I want to get a front seat row. to, to, you know, see what's going on as God directs history and as history plays itself out in 2024. So big election year coming up here, and Trump is still in the running, Adam. Trump is big time in the running. What he's got, 91 charges against him, uh, many of them felonies, and uh, he's the leading candidate for the Republican nomination. Big time, big time.
1: Well, I think a lot of our listeners, I certainly can identify with this, are of the conviction that the left is throwing everything against the wall, hoping something sticks. A lot of these, to uh, pardon the pun, are trumped up charges against him. Crazy rulings like what we just got from the the civil verdict for supposedly fraudulent business practices, three hundred fifty million dollars. And a lot of us feel as though the left is not just. Persecuting Donald Trump, we feel like we're in the crosshairs as well. And every time there's another indictment or another ruling or another judicial determination that is against Trump, we feel as though we're being persecuted as well. And his popularity continues to store. There's a 21 percentage point spread. In the latest Trafalgar poll in South Carolina, as we, as we record this on Saturday, February 24th, is the South Carolina primary. The people are voting as we speak. We don't obviously know the results of that yet, but it, it appears as though Trump is going to take it in a runaway in the primary. Yes,
0: yes, yes, as he has in Iowa, New Hampshire, and, and probably all the rest, Nevada, I believe, Barring some unexpected act of God, I think Trump will be the Republican nominee for president. I don't think there's anybody out there doubting it at this point. Yet hard times for the president. I, I want to go over these two recent suits. Donald Trump was hit with an $83 million defamation suit from Jean Carroll, who was a sexual revolutionary feminist, leftist, leftist, leftist columnist from the 1980s and 1990s. And her suit is a, an egregious, sinful act. That's the charge. That's the alleged charge. And again, based on one witness 25 years after the fact, and apparently not enough Deuteronomy 2227 type of evidence. The whole thing's pretty sketchy in my mind. Uh, biblical standards of justice so far away from the American mindset today and from the American court today. That I think, you know, whatever happens in the courts is kind of a crapshoot. <laughs> that's that's what I think is going on. Uh, that Trump has had issues with Seventh Commandment, you shall not commit adultery is no secret to any of us, right, Adam? Uh, but whether criminal, that's another question.
1: So in that case, he got an $83 million verdict against him in the Gene Carroll case, and then, of course, in this trial brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James, who ran on a platform of, I'm going to get Trump. If you vote me into office, I will get Trump. And so supposedly the best summation of that particular prosecution that resulted in the $350 million verdict by judge Arthur Engeron was that Trump was guilty of defrauding banks when he was going to them for loans for future real estate investments and other businesses that he was involved in. Well, Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. typically a real estate investor will say, Okay, I've got a house on Main Street that I believe is worth 420,000 and then the bank does their due diligence, they have their people look at it and they come back and say, "No, no, we've looked at it. It's only worth 350,000, so we're going to loan you the money for that value of the home, not what you claim it is at 420000 There's always a he said, she said going back and forth on the value right, of a given property, right. whether it's a house right. or a huge right, apartment sure. complex.
0: And I'm not convinced that exaggeration is a reason to fine a guy. If a bank wants to assess the value of a guy's properties, they can look at the assessments yeah. and make the comparison, as you said. Right. It's, there's nothing. Um, and here's the other question in my mind, and I'm not sure, maybe you can answer this question for me. The civil lawsuit brought by the Attorney General of New York, it seems to me that civil lawsuits are typically brought by... Private Parties like banks and insurance agencies, uh, they're the ones being defrauded. So why in the world is the attorney general of New York suing Donald Trump's business? I don't get that.
1: It doesn't make any sense other than in the political world, it makes all kinds of sense because she's a leftist Democrat who ran on this platform and now she supposedly has the bloody scalp of Donald Trump hanging from her bony fingers. But Judge Arthur Engoron, who made this crazy ruling that Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank on ABC, one of the shark investors called a rogue judge, is himself a leftist, uh, he has been a lifelong member of the American Civil Liberties Union. He was a protester during the the Vietnam War era. He has made all kinds of jokes at at the expense of, of Donald Trump and feels as though he's part of delivering the justice uh, that America seeks against this rogue politician. Well, Kevin O'Leary himself calls Judge Arthur Engron, who gave the $350 million settlement from the Letitia James lawsuit, called him a rogue judge. And he said that the effect will be that New York businessmen and real estate investors in particular are going to take billions of dollars of investment away from New York and California and more likely invest them in safe states like Florida and Texas that are friendly to capitalism, and don't seek to punish those who are willing to risk their own capital.
0: Okay, so whether or not Donald Trump has committed a crime, it's hard for me to to, to identify any particular crime, at least as established by biblical law. Uh, now, is Donald Trump got a problem with sin? Um, yes. Okay. I think everybody understands that. Whether it's the Seventh Commandment, the Ninth Commandment, bragging, exaggerating, et cetera, et cetera. But whether the sin or the problem with exaggeration reaches the point of crime and a civil penalty is quite another question. And there aren't that many people, I think, that really want to partner with Donald Trump in business. Trump has filed for business bankruptcy six times. But from what I can tell, in every one of those six instances, Trump Taj Mahal, the Plaza Hotel... Trump Entertainment Resorts. Uh, that was not New York. That was New Jersey. That was other places. So, so, the, so I still don't understand why the four hundred fifty million dollars, three hundred fifty plus hundred million dollars in uh, in extra fees. Uh, why the $450 four hundred fifty million dollar million fine to Trump in New York State? Outside of the fact that it's political, uh, it's interesting also that Brazil is uh, is arresting and potentially imprisoning. Their former conservative president, and at least some of his aides, and the U.S. has gone after our former conservative president with an interest in uh, putting him in jail. So, so you see this happening in Brazil and the U.S. And, and what's interesting here is I do believe that Brazil and the United States are pretty much the only two nations left in the world that have something of a freedom mindset and have not given way to communism. And given way to massive persecutions of Christians. You think of the competing nations of Russia, India, uh, South Africa, and uh, China, and and of course, North Korea, and some of these other nations. They're in the competition, and uh, they are draconian, totalitarian states generally. And yet what we're seeing in the United States and Brazil is maybe an opportunity amongst the 12 largest nations in the world. There are only two left. Uh, to retain something of a conservative freedom mindset, and so that this is really something of a battle going on, and uh, and here we've got Trump uh, guilty of bragging and exaggeration. Um, okay, we all know that. Um, uh, and then taking the wrong position on the 2020 election fraud, uh, encouraging peaceful protests on January 6th. Not sure that warrants 91 felony charges. And I'm I'm, I'm trying to think reasonably here on this i i haven't come out with this fabulous endorsement of donald trump for president of the united states in 2024 but it does appear like this guy's being persecuted by the swamp or by the leftists and i think that's what the average person is thinking and that's why his popularity ratios are going up. Listen to this. Trump favorability has ratcheted up from 38 percent to 44 percent since January 1, 2023. That's 14 months ago. So his favorability is up, what, 38 to 44 at six percentage points. Pretty significant. He's uh, reached the highest favorability in four years. So in terms of, you know, you look at the, the chart for Trump favorability and he's improved six percentage points since all of these felony charges were poured out upon him. And he's doing better than he's done in the last four years. Meanwhile, Biden has dropped from 44% down to 40% unfavorability ratio from 49% to 55%. This is a tough race. This is a tough race, Adam. Bankrupting an unrepentant adulterer Trump with 91 felonious charges running against an unquestionably dementia-laden Joe Biden. Perhaps some of the more unimpressive candidates in American history in some respects. Certainly the oldest presidents in American history, 82 and 85 uh, by the end of the next term. And there's nobody in the wings that really has gained any political momentum outside of these two candidates. I just think that's really interesting. I think it's also something of a definitive symbol of a decrepit, broken down country with no future without a spiritual revival. Here's the problem. The younger generation has far less wisdom, a serious breakdown of character to be able to run the most powerful nation in the world. We're cruising on the wisdom and judgments of a guy with dementia raised in the 1930s and 1940s who will be dead within the next five, six, seven, eight years from now. Now what will come after this? I think that's the bigger question. The foundations are destroyed, very much eroded. The religious foundations of the nations have been eroded. We're trying to whitewash the walls of the buildings while the foundations are broken down. And the building is toppling. Now, number one, it's hard for Christians to get excited about politics when the foundations are destroyed. Politics is generally whitewashing. Nevertheless, we still live in the building, so we need to be concerned for the nation. We are still covenantally com- connected to some extent to the nation. We're a part of. The Amish are covenantly connected as well. The Amish, obviously, less likely to get involved. But... Uh, They still have a hard time selling their organic, unpasteurized milk if the regulative state turns against them. So, all of us have a vested interest in what happens in Washington, D.C. I want to just end on that point, take a break. We'll come back with more of a conversation on this in just a moment. This is Kevin Swanson. The program is Generations. We've seen it, folks. God is working in the hearts of dads and sons, and He's turning the hearts, turning the hearts of fathers back to the sons, and the hearts of sons back to the fathers, and turning us all back to God. That's what we're looking for, and that's the theme of the Father-Son Retreat we've been sponsoring out here in the mountains of Colorado for the last 20 years, and I've been part of this for all this time. Now, God has done amazing things through the years. Uh, Well, I've seen it. 350 dads and sons getting into god's word together nothing like it camaraderie brothers on brothers it's a band of brothers coming together powerful talks prayer father son walks and talks meaningful engagement it's almost going without saying that dads and sons don't get enough time together and hey we don't get enough time out in god's nature playing games and going for hikes in god's fresh air and we don't get quite enough time in god's word either so don't miss this year's father son retreats this august in the Colorado Rockies, up in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains, check it out at ColoradoFatherSon.com and register today and be one of the first 125 people to sign up and save a hundred dollars per father and son. Secure your spot with the biggest discount available right now at ColoradoFatherSon.com. And we're back on Generations. This is Kevin Swanson, Adam McManus with me as well. Adam, it seems that there is a concern for what is happening to the extent that people are throwing half-hearted support towards Trump, and yet it's hard for people to be head over heels in love with this candidate. I, right? There's a tension going on here.
1: There is, and I'm a good example of that. You know, in 2020, I had given money to his candidacy. I was excited about it. I'm the, I'm the typical small donor giver sending $25 a couple to 3 times even when we felt as though delivered ballots during COVID might have been fraudulently dropped off in the middle of the night and they were fighting that in court and looking at whether there was cause for a recount before the electors were officially counted in January of 2021. I gave toward the Save America Political Action Committee But I am a good example of what's happened. Our headline from a recent Worldview newscast was Trump has 200,000 fewer donors now than 2020. That's a lot fewer donors, and I'm an example of that. I'm not given right now because I don't want my money paying for his legal bills. I want to know that my money is going to help him pay for TV ads or get out the vote or a staffer's campaign salary. But the Trump campaign and affiliated political action committees attracted roughly Mm -hmm. 516,000 donors in the second half of last year, compared with 740,000 at the same stage of his last race for the White House. And then add to that, Kevin, the Los Angeles Times reports that over the last two years, Trump's Save America political action committee. His presidential campaign and other fundraising groups have devoted $76.7 million to legal fees. Plus, the Republican National Committee is virtually bankrupt. They don't have money coming in. The Democrat National Committee, by contrast, is you know, raising money left and right, hand over fist, money is the milk of politics. It's what moves the needle. It's what pays for the ads and the social media outreach and the rallies and the staff and all the things you need to get the attention of the American public so that come election day, November 2024, your candidate wins. That is a big negative side of these leftist attacks and rulings. The $350 million ruling, most recently from New York, and the E. Gene Carroll ruling against him of $83 million. It's, it's all adding up, and he's a damaged candidate, to be sure.
0: Yeah, well, that's why I was paying close attention to his address at the National Religious Broadcasters Association meeting over the weekend. Um, I've been there. I've gone to that NRB convention. Uh, I think you've probably showed up there a time or two as well. I have. Well, anyway, let me take a piece of this, because I think this pretty much encapsulates any kind of support that uh, the Christian population, the evangelical population, is going to lend uh, to the previous president in this upcoming election. Just listen to this one segment, and I think he spoke for, I'm going to say an hour and a little bit more, at the NRB convention in Nashville, Tennessee. So here's, uh, here's something of how it went. The same Biden DOJ that dropped charges against Antifa has rounded up six pro-life activists right here in Tennessee, arresting them for a peaceful protest outside a clinic where they prayed, sang hymns and were removed with great force. Last month, those protesters were convicted on outrageous charges and are now facing up to 11 years in prison. This is, a communist, this is a communist state, just so you understand. This is the beginning of a communist state, uh, whether it's me or any one of another thousand things that are going on. This is the only way they're going to be able to stay in office because they're running a regime that's so incompetent, nobody's ever seen anything like it. And Adam, I think this is the point that is drawing together the pro-lifers, the conservatives, the Christians – Behind Donald Trump. Number one concern is persecution of pro lifers and Republican presidential candidates. You know, we're going to have to hang together or we'll hang separately here. That argument plays pretty hard right now as we approach the 2024 election.
1: When we talked about the Tennessee 10 in a recent generations program, I hope that every listener who heard that podcast was deeply moved by where we are in America that just participating in civil disobedience in the tradition of Martin Luther King Jr can land someone in jail for 11 years with you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of fines clearly the pro abortion department of justice which is really the department of injustice of Joe Biden is so in the tank for the abortion industry and their bloody agenda that they can't see straight and yet Christians need to have a sense of god's wisdom and god's justice and god's desire to protect the most innocent among us and the fact that these predominantly uh, homeschool pro-life christian families were willing to bring their teenagers in and say you know please as a last ditch effort would you rethink this scheduled abortion here in the Nashville Tennessee area as they did Something that they should have gotten was a slap on the wrist and a hundred dollar fine or a couple days in jail. The fact that they are now being made an example to intimidate the rest of pro life America into silence virtually is where we are. And I appreciate former President Donald Trump in his outspokenness and his affirmation of the right of us to disagree with the prevailing pro-abortion ethic of our time.
0: Well, I mean, abortion aside, because we have our differences with Trump on on that issue, uh, at this point, it's the freedom of religion, it's the freedom to speak. It's the freedom that uh, you know we have held dear. it's 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 the idea of of circling the wagons and protecting some extremely basic freedoms. Uh, from the leftist, socialist, uh, Gramscian, Marxism uh, approach to shut down all Christian discourse in this country. And, uh, you know, I think increasingly the lines are drawn between those who hate God, hate Jesus, hate his church, and those who, well, still sort of support that, support Jesus, support his church, support a Christian faith of some sort in this country, lest we, uh, we open up the doors to vast... Uh, mass persecutions of of christians and i think that's what uh, many christians are concerned with now uh, here's a couple of salient quotes from the president at the nrb convention i don't know if you heard the speech yet adam it's probably worth listening to he says with your help and god's grace the great revival of america begins on november 5th well sadly you know god doesn't time revivals but we certainly can pray for that he also said quote unquote i will prevent world war three you think well that's one that, that's that's one that's in God's hands. Uh, depends largely on the humility and repentance of a nation. He also said he would work to reverse the decline of organized religion and church going in America. We have to bring back our religion. We have to bring back Christianity. That, of course, is more of a matter of pastors, and prayer, and the Holy Spirit returning to a nation that's resisted Him at every level. And you know, of course, the hearts of the people. I mean, simply falling down on their faces before God as Josiah did repenting and realizing that we have come far short of receiving God's Word. We have so much resisted the Holy Spirit. There's so little conviction of sin, so little repentance and true faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, That's what's got to happen. That's not going to happen from a bully pulpit. That's not happening from the President of the United States. Um, Well, uh, all things considered, you know, it's also, it's interesting. He confessed to be a believer, and then just after that, here's what he said. Listen to this. Confessed to be a believer, and then he said just after that, Joe Biden doesn't know what the H is going on. And, of course, everybody laughs, you know, at that point. He uses the H word, I'd say, four to five times throughout. So, um, you know, and I think that's pretty At the much, National
1: Religious Broadcasters yeah, Convention. Yeah, the NRB
0: Convention, exactly, using the H word. And everybody laughs. You know, Joe Biden doesn't know what the H is going on. And everybody's laughing directly after he confesses to be a believer. So it's really interesting what's happening here. Uh, bottom line here, I believe that Trump has the evangelical vote in the bag. I just don't think there's any debating that point. I'm not sure there's going to be, you know, a lot of people stepping forward and saying, "I love this guy," but I think there's going to be a fair percentage of evangelicals holding their nose and voting for him in the 2024 election.
1: Yeah, I think where he is skating on thin ice is during the general election with the women voters. Women tend to be more likely to vote number one and tend to be more liberal and then hold up a concern about character flaws, and he has plenty. And so the concern is he will lose the suburban women vote, and it will give Joe Biden the nod and a second term. But going back to something you said earlier, and that is the importance as Christians— of true, genuine revival. And I put something on my Facebook page a couple days ago that I think describes it beautifully in one succinct illustration. It was not something I came up with. I saw it on someone else's Facebook page and shared it. A little girl wanted to know what the United States looked like. Her dad tore a map of the USA from a magazine and then cut it into small little pieces. He told her to go to her room and see if she could put it together. After only about 10 minutes, unbelievably, she returned and handed the map correctly fitted, taped together, showing all 50 states in America in its original depiction in the magazine. Well, the dad was surprised and asked how she could have possibly finished so quickly. And she turned it over, and on the other side was a picture of Jesus. And she said, When I put Jesus back, then our country just came together. And that reminds me of what Jonathan Clark cited in a recent newscast about what George Barnes said, which I think is equally relevant. George Barnes said, "Placing the burden of uniting this divided a country on the shoulders of a president or political party is unrealistic. Only a spiritual awakening." can usher in the required tidal wave of spiritual wisdom and commitment. And that kind of renewal does not happen overnight or randomly. It must become an intentional and long-term commitment. And that's when he cited 2 Chronicles 7, 14, a passage we're all familiar with, but it bears repeating. God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land.
0: Well, there's no question in my mind that the left is destroying the nation. That Joe Biden, the current president of the United States, has brought policies to bear, economic policies, moral policies, policies relating to social issues. He is endorsing the policies that are most likely to destroy the nation. And to bring God's judgment down upon the nation. Now, if God should, in his mercy, provide a president that might delay that destruction for another four years or eight years, uh, then praise be to God. But we're still waiting for a repentance. And again, if the grassroots do not repent, then we're in trouble. I think the 2024 election boils down to this issue, and that is that the left wants Trump in jail and the left wants me in jail and the six protesters from Tennessee, and they want to unjustly harness the, the influence of righteousness or those that would stand for righteousness, and that's sufficient enough to rally the troops to the support of Donald Trump in the 2024 elections at this point. So Trump has the evangelical vote in the bag. And only Christianity today and 5% of evangelicals will vote against Trump this time around. I I think he's going to do better with evangelicals than he did in the 2020 election and perhaps even better than he did with evangelicals in the 2020 election as well. But as you said, the character issue is a flaw. And uh, if if Trump does not fear God and humble himself before the creator, perhaps, you know, he might go through what Nebuchadnezzar went through remember Nebuchadnezzar very very proud very i mean if there was if there was a king a ruler who acted like Trump it was Nebuchadnezzar you know how great a kingdom i have created for myself i have made babylon great again you know they had the red hats going around babylon big time during nebuchadnezzar's reign and and yet you know god put him out to pasture in the back 40 for a couple of years you know and he was eating grass like an ox and then he came back And by God's grace, uh, Babylon's uh, condition was improved, at (laughs) least for the time being, until Belshazzar (laughs) came back in and ruined it, and then Persia took over. But the point is that God is merciful, and he might have mercy upon this nation. But uh, again, I think the encouragement today is to see that we as a nation humble ourselves, confess our sins, repent of our sins, and, uh, and effectively come back to serving the true and living God. Uh, That's what matters more than anything else. We need to submit ourselves to the laws of God. And some people say, we don't want a Christian nationalism. Well, what do you want? A Marxist nationalism, a socialist nationalism, a a Nazi government? Do you want national socialists? Do you want national Hindus, national Islams, national whatever? No, no. We want Christian law. We want to submit ourselves to the laws of God as communicated through the word of God in the Old and New Testaments. And uh, yes, we absolutely want a nation that submits itself to Christian law. And uh, sadly, I would say in the present day, about 60 percent of your Republicans and Democrats are nationalist socialists. They're socialists. They're more Nazis. About 35 percent of Republicans, and Democrats, mostly Democrats, are Marxist socialists and communists, international socialists and communists. And about four percent of Republicans are somewhat committed to God's laws. They're Christian nationalists. And then you have one to two percent that are Muslims and Hindus. So take your pick. What do you want to be? Uh, a Christian nationalist submitting to God's laws, a Marxist nationalist as in a Nazi submitting yourself to Nazi law. You want to be a Muslim nationalist submitting the nation to Muslim law, Sharia law. Which, which one is it? Take your pick. What do you want to be? We actually prefer God's law better than Marx's laws and Muslim law and all these other religious systems. We much prefer God's laws. And so as Christians, let's submit ourselves to God's laws. Let's disciple the nation's to the commandments of God as contained in the Old and New Testaments. This is our job, and let's encourage our government to do the very same thing.
1: To Trump's credit, at the National Religious Broadcaster's speech this past Thursday night, he said, and I quote, and I think this is just brilliant and spiritually true, we do not answer to Washington, we answer to God. Trump might have said that, despite himself, maybe one of his speechwriters put those two lines in there. But he said it; it came from him, and it is true. We answer to God, and that, by the way, includes Trump himself answers to God. That is not a bad that is not a bad mantra for all of us to live by that we answer yeah. to God. Yeah, and
0: to the extent that he, yeah, 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 to 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 the extent that he submits himself to that, to the extent that he fears God. Wow. That's the primary characteristic prerequisite for any civil leader according to Exodus 18, 1 Samuel chapter 30. Uh, wow. Well, that's something. Yeah, that's something. Well, we had to wrap things up here. Friends, you've been listening to the Generations broadcast. I hope this has been helpful to you as we work through these issues. Yeah, we're not looking for a perfect candidate. We're looking for, at the very least... A candidate that fears God, hates covetousness, and embraces the truth, loves the truth. That's so essential. So, so, so essential. If that's Donald Trump, then you vote for him in the 2024 election. And that wraps up this edition of Generations. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.